Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, and welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today to talk a little bit more about OCD. We've talked about OCD in the past, but I have a special guest today. Her name is Marin Kennedy, and she has written a book based on her experiences, and it's actually a children's book. So she's going to tell us all about that. Hi, Marin. Welcome to Soul Grit. Hi, glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here because you have, you're like one of those guests that we have that has those personal experiences. You're not a therapist or like an expert in the field. You're just like an expert because of your experience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up and when you discovered you had OCD? Well, growing up, I just knew I was a worry wart. It's how it appeared. Um, I really didn't know that I had OCD until 32. Um, As a child, I had fears about behaving just right. I was afraid of breaking the rules. I was afraid of getting in trouble. And so little things like walking through a parking lot, I was afraid of touching the car next to me in case I would accidentally scratch it. Mm -hmm. So I would put my hands behind my back in order to keep myself from touching any possibility of touching the car next to me. Um, I was afraid of cheating in class. So I was afraid of even looking around during a test in case I would possibly see somebody's answers. Um, I was afraid of one time working together with somebody on a project And I was convinced that maybe the teacher hadn't wanted us to do that. So I was afraid that I had cheated and I convinced my mom that I cheated. And she said, well, you got to tell the teacher then because she didn't know that this was OCD. Mm -hmm. She just thought I was being honest. And so I told the teacher on myself and the teacher was concerned that no, I hadn't cheated. She had wanted us to work together. So she thought maybe I was just super sensitive mm-hmm. and, and, and a worry wart that uh, my parents just needed to watch, not that there was anything mentally going on. Mm. Do you, what, how do you feel about that term worry wart now? Does it bother you? A <laughs> worry wart now? Well, I think it still describes my thought processes okay. of what I do. I think it, uh, covered up though, the actual OCD. Okay. So how did that morph as you became a teenager and a young adult? Absolutely. Um, as a teenager, I had quite a few episodes. I call them episodes because they lasted for like a few months to a year and then they would go away. Mm -hmm. Um, so I dealt with germs in junior high school, um, 
I, I was worried that I was going to kill somebody if I touched them or if I shared food with them, that my germs would somehow make them sick and they would die because of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in high school, I dealt with my sexuality. Um, it was really hard going into the locker room yeah. um, and seeing girls changing. I thought that meant something about me and my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then religion. Um, came up in my senior year of high school. And how did I know that my religion was the one truth and that led to heaven? Um, So I felt like as I went through puberty, it really blossomed. My OCD really um, began taking a serious uh, turn. And then into my adult, oh, actually I had a I had a brief um, relief from my OCD for about 10 years Hmm. um, in in college, and I didn't have any OCD thought patterns that I could really um, identify until I was a young adult and a mother of three. And then it was the fear of touch, um, the fear of religion again, of violence, Mm-hmm. Um, or even of a family member dying. Okay. And so it sounds like during like your early twenties or maybe that whole decade, like you had that reprieve, as you put it, do, do you know any of the factors that helped you not deal with that at that time? Um, I was a volleyball player and I found volleyball as a relief from the thought processes, um, I could go on the court and I really had to focus on what was happening on the court. Otherwise, um, I get hurt. And so, um, I was a collegiate volleyball player at Fresno Pacific university and, um, volleyball was life. I mean, you ate, slept and drank volleyball. And when I wasn't doing volleyball, I was doing school and with school, I found that to be um, in a way, a reprieve from the thought process, um, because I wanted to study so hard to get the grade, Mm -hmm. but then again, I had to get the grade in order to appease the thought processes because it was very much, you must be a perfectionist. You must get the grade. Um, anything less than an A is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So, um, I ended up graduating with the highest GPA of my graduating class. Um, They gave me a special award for it. But in reality, it was a red flag. Um, It was driven by my OCD. So I say I had a break from OCD. But really, it was still there in my grades. Yeah, it was happening. It just maybe wasn't interfering with your life as much. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I could still I could still go about my daily schedule, my daily life without having to stop and really think, think, think. Yeah. And so just to take a pause here for a little bit of psychoeducation, as we call it in the field, Mm -hmm. like if you don't know as much about OCD, the, the O is the obsession part. It's the part where the thinking, the intrusive thoughts come in and you can't not think them. And then they keep coming and keep coming until you do something about them. And that's where the compulsion, that's the C in OCD. The compulsion part is behavioral. Although sometimes we don't actually see an external behavior, it might be something that you're doing in your mind to help control the anxiety that came from the thought. So um, 
like what Marina is saying, she had this thought that said, you must get an A, anything less is not acceptable. And then the compulsion would be to do all the work necessary to get the A. But for a lot of us, that might sound fairly normal. And so how we distinguish it, OCD from just like, I really want to do well, I'm a perfectionist, or I'm a hard worker, is how much is it interfering with your life? And so what Marin was saying is, during this period of college, like it really, it was working really well for her. She got an award from her college. She got, um, she was excelling in volleyball. She's doing really well, but later, like earlier in her life and later in her life, she realized that some of those thought processes and the behaviors, whether that's external or internal that she has to do to be able to control that is actually disrupting and impairing her ability to live a full life. And so just just taking that little pause to make sure everybody's on the same track educationally as what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that it was kind of when you became a mom and you had these Mm -hmm. three little ones in your house that things started rearing their ugly head again. Yes, definitely. Um, I didn't know I was OCD yet. I didn't know what OCD was. And all of a sudden, I became afraid of abusing my children. Um, I was afraid to touch them when I changed their diapers. I was afraid to touch them when I would dry them off after a bath um, or even buckling them in their car seat was too much. Um, I ended up teaching my three and my five-year-old, actually my five-year-old, how to buckle in her younger sisters. And then I would check to make sure it was secure. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was a compulsion that helped me handle the obsessive thought of, oh my gosh, if I touch them, then I am an abusive parent. Right. Right. What if my hand accidentally hits one of their private parts and now I'm an abusive parent? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So at what point did these kind of obsessions become unmanageable? Immediately. Um, (laughs) I could not eat. Um, I was very nauseous and wanting to throw up at any little idea, thought of food. Um, I dropped 20 pounds um, very quickly. Um, I couldn't sleep. The obsessive thoughts were there all 24-7. Um, there was no escaping them. And I remember my parents telling me, you'll get tired enough eventually that you will sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I that never hit. <laughs> and so I had to uh, eventually go into a psychiatrist and a therapist and get help with medication to help me get back my sleep rhythm and to talk through the thoughts that were um, so obsessive compulsive. Yeah. So now how long ago was that for you? That was seven years ago. Okay. And so now do you continue to have therapy and medication as a part of your normal life? Well, I, uh, that episode lasted for about a year. Okay. And like I said, I didn't know I was OCD yet. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I was healed when the obsessive thought went away. Okay. Um, and I stopped taking my medication because mm-hmm. I thought I didn't need it anymore. And I stopped going to therapy. 
and it came back two years later, even stronger. Mm. And so now, yes, as my uh, daily life, I, I do therapy and I do, um, now as my daily life, I am taking, um, medication and I realize that it is part of my day-to-day life and it's necessary. I used to be ashamed of it. Now I very much accept it. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to get back into therapy. I've been doing it on my own for a couple of years. Um, but I need to get back in because I want to know the cognitive behavioral ther- therapy. I want to know how to do it as a healthy mind yeah. so that when I get sick again, I can uh, have tools to better combat that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to hear you say when I get sick again, like it's, it's an expectation <laughs> that at some point there may be another episode, right? Absolutely. Um, I've talked a lot with my pastor and he's been very helpful to me. And he's said, you know, he's coached me a little bit and said, you know, this is a lifetime battle and just be prepared. Don't, don't think that you're just done. Just be, know it will come and go. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to be so scared of it anymore because now you have the resources and the tools that you need. Right. Right. And, you know, even just recently, I feel like I've been nervous about it coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, I've felt that rising obsessive thought again, like, oh no, here's a new one. What, what about the next time? Because my girls are very much, uh, involved in sports and music and there's coaches who are depending on me to do and get them where they need to be. And so it rises up in me. What about next time? I can't afford to have another sickness. Mm -hmm. Um, but God has given me so many verses that give me peace. And there was a devotional that told me um, the day that I first gave my testimony in church, mm-hmm. the devotional read that when, not if things get turned upside down, God will, um, God will sustain me. Yeah. And that just has brought me so much peace knowing that God will be there for me and God's going to get me through each and every episode. And he's done so much to get me through the past that I, I now have confidence and trust that he will get me through the future too. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So going back to what you said about wanting to get back into therapy, like you have a, a a reason Mm -hmm. why, like you have a specific purpose. I want to learn more about CBT right? Correct. <laughs> know how to do that. So I have another tool in my tool belt when and if this happens, right? Right. Um, I just want to say here that I think I've said this on the podcast a lot of times. I think everybody should go to therapy. I think we all need yeah. it at some point, but I don't necessarily think that everybody needs it weekly for the rest of their lives. Like that, right. that would be excessive for most right. people. And when you're managing well, I mean, if therapy is doing its job, you're managing well, and you're able to go for a period of time when you don't really need to be in therapy regularly. And it sounds like you've had that period of time, but then there's yes. other times when you know, you just start to know that it's coming up, like maybe your thoughts or your feelings or, or a life 
circumstance has changed and you just need a little bit of extra support, some fine tuning or some preparation for a difficult season that you're going to go into. And you don't always know when those are, you know? Right. Absolutely. That's how I feel. There's times like these last few years that I felt like I can handle this on my own. I um, can recognize the obsessive thoughts. Um, I have my truth to fight back. God has so uh, been there to give me verses and guidance in my devotionals that I know that he is right beside me and I can, I can face this. But when I start to get nervous, when I start to get, you know, the thoughts of, you know, Satan whispering in my ear, um, you know, what if, what if that's when I know I need to get back in. Yeah. There you go. And I like that you're building a team around you too. Um, I know in the past you've mentioned that your mom has been a big player on your team, your husband, your pastor, your therapist. Like it's not just you going it alone. You need these different people in your life because they're bringing out like different um, strengths for you. Yes. Yes. And I think that's why I, I hit so hard in my thirties as I didn't have anybody around me besides my mom to help me through this. Um, I didn't know what was going on and there was, there were people, um, available that if I would have just reached out, they would have been there for me, but I tried to keep it a secret And that was really suffocating. I needed to reach out. And I feel like that's why God gave me this book Mm -hmm. because he was calling me to take my story and step out to heal me, Mm -hmm. but also to heal others. Mm -hmm. If you've listened to the Soul Grip podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com slash courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. Well, that's a perfect transition. So tell us about your book. So I wrote a book called My Little Monster, a story about OCD. And it's a story about a little girl who has OCD and There's this little purple monster that sits on her shoulder. And some days she can handle the monster. He's not very big. And other days when the obsessive thoughts get louder, the monster starts shouting at her and he gets bigger and bigger and bigger until that's all she can think and see. And until there is a truth moment um, where The little girl remembers what her doctor tells her that this is not really the way that it appears. Mm -hmm. And slowly she begins to talk back to her monster and realizes she has power over the monster and the monster begins to shrink Mm -hmm. and comes back to its normal size. Now it never quite goes away. I realize that my obsessive thoughts, um, my OCD will be there for life, but 
it's more manageable when the monster is smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And so the monster, I, you shared your story with me. So the monster mm-hmm. becomes like a little, like fits on your shoulder kind of thing. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Very small, just there to whisper in your ear. Yeah. And, and when it's so small, you have the power to kind of talk back to it and say, yes, I hear you, but that's not how we're going to live this life. Right. Right. I hear you, but please be quiet. I'm going to do this instead. Yeah. Yeah. And so why was it important for you to write a children's book about this? It was important for me to write a children's book because uh, I didn't, I was speaking to myself as a child. Hmm. I didn't really know as a child why I worried so much, but I knew it was different. I I could see the kids around me were not having these same hangups like me. Um, There was one time when I, I was afraid of touch and germs and I accidentally bumped into a kid next to me standing in line and I apologized, you know, I'm so sorry. And he gave me a look and I was really embarrassed and I moved to the end of the line and I realized, you know, something's different. I'm not, I'm not um, the same as everyone around me. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to write a book for those kids who were struggling with OCD that maybe just don't know it yet. And I wanted to write it also because I knew their parents would be reading it to them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the parents to maybe start recognizing some of the different thought processes the the child was having um, and to maybe encourage the parent as well in their walk next to their child. Yeah, that's good. Now, um, you are a person of faith, but the Mm -hmm. book isn't specifically Christian, right? No, it's not specifically Christian, um, but how it came to be was a definite God moment. Um, God gave me the idea for this book one morning. It it came out of nowhere. I was getting ready for church on a Sunday morning, and within an hour, I had the book completely written. Wow! And I knew that God was calling me to uh, to publish it. I didn't know how, but I knew that he wanted me to get this out there. This was more than just something I could have written on my own. I recognize that. So I Googled publishers and I found one and Mm -hmm. took a shot in the dark and sent it. And it was the first one that I had Googled. And the lady on the other end happened to be OCD herself. Mm -hmm. And she thought it was a great idea. And she sent me back, um, publishing prospects. And then God gave me the money that we was needed to publish it. And so just one thing after another, it all just aligned. And this book was, was meant to be for me. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, now you told me this might not be a public knowledge yet, but you told me that there's another book coming. Do you want to talk about yes. that a little bit? Yes, there is another book coming. Um, it's, the same character with the same little monster that uh, is on her shoulder. And this time it's more of a message to the support people that surround you as an OCD individual. And it's talking, this little girl is, is sharing ways that would be helpful to support her. You know, if she comes to you again and again for reassurance, a calm, patient, you know, person who's not going to make you feel silly person who's not going to make you feel like, well, just shrug it off. You know, this is not a normal thought, just get over it. 
um, it's, it's really telling people what would be helpful to somebody who has OCD. Okay. That's good. And so when can we expect that to be out? <laughs> well, it's just getting illustrated right now. So I don't have a, a release date yet. Oh, okay. Now <laughs> I like your illustrator too. You're, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes children's books can have like really goofy looking illustrations, but yours are like nice, you know, like <laughs> I had somebody, yeah, I had somebody at church tell me, did they have a picture of you? Cause that oh. looks just like you as a child. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah. So um, where can people find your books? They can find my book on Amazon or at uh, mascotbooks.com. Okay. So I'm going to have those links for people in the show notes. And I know that you also have like a Facebook page set up for your book as well. So that will, will there be a website with a new book too? There will be a website with a new book, but uh, that won't happen for a while until the, the book is already illustrated. Okay. So best ways for people to find you would be the Facebook, which I'll Mm -hmm. link to you or to purchase on Amazon. You said mascot books, right? Yes. Mascot books as well. Okay. Perfect. So if people want to reach out to you and, um, you know, enjoy your work, that will be a great opportunity for them too. Absolutely. Yeah. So Marin, you know that every time we end the Soul Grip podcast with an interview, we talk about soul care. So I'd like to ask you, what are you doing for soul care? I am, I journal my prayers and I find that really encouraging because I can go back and find ways that God has specifically spoken to me in my prayers. And um, that's something that I've learned to do through OCD and um, it is healing to me because I can go back and I can see how God has touched my life. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do you have a, a common time during the day? Like, are you a morning journaler or? <laughs> so I am not a morning person, especially <laughs> with my, with my, um, uh, medication that I'm on. It makes me very drowsy. And so I wait until the kids go to school and I have the house to myself. And then I sit down with my prayer journal. Okay. That's good to hear. Um, well, I really want to thank you for your time and thank you. I mean, I guess I should thank God that he's putting it in your heart to start getting this message out there, because I know it was something that you struggled with for a long time. And now you've just come to this moment where you're like, I got to talk about it because it's healing for you. It's going to be healing for other people. And so I know there's probably a lot of families out there that are really going to benefit from your book. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.